What's up, guys? Four Quarters back with another episode. I am one of your hosts, Ray. You can find me online at Ravon Hackshaw. You can find Peter at Buckinson's 88. He's my uh, rocking the ones and twos with me. What's going on? Hey, what's up, Ray? Good to be back. How was your drive? Uh, smooth sailing. You know, it was a, it was a, a long trip, week. You know? Yeah, it was a long week. You know, we got to break bread at the bar and watch the Nuggets win. So it was a good week. Be a yeah, fan. great, great night at the DNVR bar for sure. Uh, watching, you know, the Nuggets plus, you know, one Flacco uh, Chanter. Some, some, some good moments, some bad moments for sure. Some ups and downs. And I think this week probably reflects the most of that trend where the highs and lows, I think, the drama. This has been the most dramatic week of Nuggets basketball in the regular season that I can remember. That's not playoff basketball or something like that. Um, we're joined this week by, you know, an old friend, fan of the show, friend of the show, Big Dole. What's going on? Not a whole lot. Uh, thank you guys for reaching out to me and bringing me on again. Uh, I love coming on, talking a little bit of Nuggets. Yeah, it's always great having me. Um, heard you were hooping this morning. How, how did that go? Yeah, it went all right. You know, I thought I was going to be a little bit more out of shape than I was from Thanksgiving, but um, we, we made it through and uh, <laughs> ready for uh, City League on Wednesday night, so... Nice. Were you the yeah. most valuable Philadelphian? You know, Are you the only Philadelphian? That's I, the first question. I'm not even Philadelphian, and I'm not even the most valuable Philadelphian because the most valuable Philadelphian is uh, Nikola Jokic. Um, <laughs> I am okay. writing several letters to the Philadelphia City Council uh, to throw his name in this year. Maybe like have his name inscribed in the bell, something like that. Rename the bell after him would be fun. Just rename it the mm-hmm. Jokic Bell. Yep. You know, all that all that all that US history stuff. Yeah, you don't really need that. Serbian history, that's where it's at. Water Maybe the, the Burek Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would be cool. You know, I feel like Philly would actually love Wait, Bjork. So what does that mean? Like you hit the bell and now that, that means the Bjork's ready? Maybe, yep. yeah. Every every like right. every uh like steak and cheese sub shop or whatever in Philly just kind of adopts the Bjork. I've still never had Bjork. I, I gotta try it. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to try it as well. I, I look forward to it. We'll have to uh, hop over the pond and I don't know, give it a, give it a shot. Well, you but, can go uh, to Ambar when you're in DC. Is that a Serbian bar? No, it's the the restaurant. They got um, they got one. So the one that they went to in Serbia, there's also mm-hmm. one in DC. Oh wow, I must have missed it. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to go go back and check that out also. That'll be a little bit easier for me. <laughs> yes, um, less expensive. A little bit, but I still want to go, you know. There you go. Uh, so, last week, uh, we had four games. Dallas, at Dallas, the second night of a two-game away stand, if you want to call it. I feel like that's a, a trend in the league, I think, this year, where they're taking those games where you're playing a team three times, you're going to play in x city twice let's just play them together you know yeah cut down the travel there healthy for uh, everybody. this coming week i think houston is coming to denver for for two consecutive games so it's nice. a it's an interesting concept i i kind of like it i don't know how you feel about it i feel like it introduces like um some like level of it's kind of like a series in the right. way that a playoff series exists that you're you know how do you respond to this game and do something a little bit different next time um, it kind of gives that that vibe. I mean, it's a slight disadvantage for the home team because then the second game 
your opponent isn't coming off of travel. They've they're just in the same city, the same way you are. But yeah. you know, you hope that that evens out. You know, with you mm-hmm. going on the road and stuff, and and honestly, it's it's better overall because better chance of your team being healthy at the end of the year. You know, anytime you can cut down on travel, it's a good thing. So I think, yeah. you know, if we're being honest, like we always want everybody to be healthy and then, you know, the, the cream to rise to the, to the top, you know, the best teams beating the best teams for the title. You know, you hate when people are like, oh, well, this player was out. So that's only reason you guys won. Like, that's not fun for anybody. Mm-hmm. And I would bet the response game as far as, the second game in Dallas, I feel like Dallas maybe not looking at Denver as hard as like, oh, we feel threatened by this team after having just beaten them. I wonder, you know, you get a week, a month between those two games. You don't really get that that sort of, uh, I think Dallas presented a little bit of an opportunity to, to get into the games that uh, we won this one, 97-98. And it's kind of a, kind of a big game from Bones and... We're going to talk about Blacko. I'm going to leave that as like its own topic to some extent. But I kind of want to talk about Bones first, if I can, if you don't mind. Um, I feel like he, I don't want to say it was his best game. You know, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like, I don't know how you feel about this. His vibes, they, they've been better at certain points. You know, he's had higher highs for sure. But I think this was, you know, he was relied on to just kind of, provide a lot of volume. And I think that I think that says a lot about what he can be. I don't know, just as a as a leader of that bench unit, I think it's a big step forward for him that you know, you're not always going to be in the best position in the best situation, but that he can be the engine that they need pretty consistently. I think I'm pretty happy with him so far. Absolutely. I think that Bones has been playing phenomenal um, this year. Uh, I think he's definitely had his games where he's been sick, banged up, um, et cetera, where he hasn't played up to his full potential, and that's understandable. I think of last year at the beginning of the year when Bones was uh, young, just getting into the league. He wasn't as NBA ready. He struggled a little bit. Uh, He also struggled a little bit with injuries. Could be just uh, not in full NBA shape or uh, uh, just plain and simple wasn't strong enough. But uh, this year he came into the year – and he was a little bit more uh, NBA ready. So um, I expect for him to uh, kind of uh, search for a, um, a more consistency and a quicker consistency to where Bones was playing more so like in February, March, April last uh, year. So um, I think that's something to look for is, you know, maybe he'll get to that, uh, that potential a little bit quicker, hopefully by the end of December. <laughs> yeah, I mean – Peter, have you, uh, as far as like Bones this year, do you feel like your idea of what his ceiling is has changed at all? Um, no, I, I think he's taken steps. You know, he's still uh, still working out some stuff. But, I mean, the confidence is there. Like, honestly, he has the confidence of an all-star. And, yeah. look, straight up, I got to give you credit because we joked last week about how you need to stop making predictions and, you know, the timing of our show can get a little awkward when the Nuggets play on Sunday because obviously we didn't react to this game last week. But, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about just getting blown out on Friday. And I was like, yeah, this isn't going to be good. And you're like, hey, 30% chance we get a Bones game because we knew that, like, Jokic and Murray were going to be out. Sure enough, we got a Bones right. game. 29 sure. points, career high. Like, that guy walked on the floor. He did not care 
that Jokic wasn't suiting up. He didn't care that Murray wasn't suiting up. He's like, I got this. And guess what? He got this. Like, so it was just cool to like have that guy in your team who is a reserve, but knows that like he's fine with taking an extra five, 10 shots a game if you need it from him, right? I feel like there's so many guys in the NBA that are still really good basketball players, but if you tell them, hey, I don't need 12 minutes tonight, I need 25 minutes tonight, they're still just going to try to come in the game and not screw up and just kind of right. like play their role. Does their Bones game is like, oh, you need more from me? Let's do this. And it's not always going to work, but you love the confidence that he brings. Yeah, and, and I feel like, you know, kind of moving back to that bench unit, he provides a level of leadership where, and I say leadership, not maybe not in like, um, is he ordering guys around? I don't think so. Is he, I don't know if people look at him as um, the, he's not a veteran. He's not the veteran on the team for sure. But on court leadership, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to kind of be the first option? I think he provides a lot of structure in that way that, just kind of lets them be I I like the staggers you know I like Mike or maybe sometimes Jamal playing with that bench unit but I feel like it prevents presents the opportunity that maybe he doesn't have to maybe they don't ha always have to be that um that bones can kind of carry when you need him to well yeah I mean the other great thing that we have to point out here is this was not a typical bones game he only made three three-pointers so that's nine points. He scored 29 points. He was getting by his guy at will. He was getting to the rim. He was getting to the free throw line. Last week, we were complaining about how he's been bad from two this year. Well, he really shut me up in that game. So it, it's such a luxury to have a guy on your bench that can play like that when needed to, when you've got Jokic, Murray, and Porter on your team. And then I'm sure, as we'll talk about later, how well Aaron Gordon's been playing, like, Teams still aren't looking at Bones on the scouting report first, second, or third. Like, they know that he's, like, the leader of the bench. But just mm -hmm. to have that card to be able to play, like, Malone can go to him whenever he needs offense, is such a luxury. Yeah. Uh, and funny enough, so he was a team worth minus 12. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's it's funny. I Because I, I feel like he was so valuable, and maybe without him, I don't know, maybe the rest of the team would have been the – the minus they wouldn't have scored 25. enough. There's no way. There's no way they score enough points to win that game if Bones doesn't play. I, I don't I throw the minus twelve out for that one. I also feel like he was just probably there for all of the runs that the Dallas had, if that makes sense. All of the like Right. You know, yeah. Uh Luca's still gonna give it to you. It, it, it is what it is, especially, you know, when you're missing some guys, I think it's it's tough. So the fact that they didn't lose the the rope so to speak i think presented the opportunity for the other guys to kind of come back and have a good game for sure yeah so um jeff green also kind of goes out in this one and i i don't i want to say it's never a good thing when you have an injury right um but what i would say is i think it presented a lot of opportunity for other guys um for, you know, you're seeing more Jack White minutes than ever, more Vlaco minutes than ever, more Zeke minutes than ever. Um, I, I kind of want to touch on Zeke, I think, just in this week as a whole. Uh, Dole Free, for example. How do you feel about how, you know, Zeke getting a little bit more of an opportunity consistently 
the last few games or so is he is he translating that to something that he's going to get more minutes do you think or or is this going to be a temporary kind of uh in and out status um uh, i think it's kind of tough to tell at this moment in time uh i I do want to touch on when he first got into the game, his first stint uh, uh, when Jeff Green went out. Um, mm-hmm. He did not play um, entirely great. Uh, he kind of was a little scared, uh, a little nervous, something along those lines where he wasn't playing uh, within the flow of both the offense and the defense. Um, he looked out of sorts. Um, however, uh, I think after you know six, seven minutes, uh, he finally kind of got into rhythm and he started playing better. Um, I think also in that Dallas game, he had a, a pretty big three-pointer uh, down the stretch, I believe, on the in the third quarter or the beginning of the fourth quarter, which yeah, uh, kind of one for really, one from the day. Yep, yep. So he he. I'm still glad to see that he can make those three-pointers. Uh, he doesn't take him at a high volume, which I actually enjoy. Um, I don't really want him shooting a high volume of threes. I just want it to be, you know, two or three a game if you're open and keep that confidence up and uh, knock it down when, when he's got the opportunity to. Um, but continuing on throughout the week, I feel like he has gotten better uh, throughout the week. Um, I think with Zeke Naji, something that uh, Malone needs to do is um, he does need to play him because I think – He's uh, will get better as he goes along. Uh, obviously, he just needs to feel comfortable and uh, not scared of losing his spot once uh, once uh, um, Jeff Green is healthy again. So I I think that uh, it's going to come down to this: Is Malone going to keep wanting to invest into Zeke, or is Malone going to want to go back to the veteran? And I think that answer is pretty obvious of which one Malone has done in the past, and would we go back with Jeff? So. One thing I'll say, um, I don't know if this is a problem or not. So I'm going to give you an over-under on total rebounds for Zeke this week over four games. Um, nine and a half. Do you think over or under nine and a half rebounds? I think it's going to be over because uh, I think that, and this is, I think, he should dominate against the Rockets, and he should grab at least five rebounds. Oh, I mean this past week. Oh, this past week. Excuse me. Um, I don't think he had very many rebounds in his first game. He might have had like one or two, which was kind of disappointing. Um, and I'm not sure if he got any better. i not looking at the box scores directly. I'm, I'm guessing it was probably under, if I'm being honest. Peter, are you also under? I'm going to go under. All right, I, I didn't do a good enough job with the over-under because you're right. He got eight rebounds, and know, just all together. How many minutes? Um, I'd have to tell you that up. That would take me a second. So, all right, we'll do it during the break. Yeah, just uh, – but but all that is to say, while it is kind of concerning that you look at a box score and say, you know, zero rebound nights uh, in the game that we were just talking about versus Dallas, for example – that's kind of less than you would want from a center or anyone you would even consider a center. But at the same time, I really like that he's – I don't think he's playing badly. He's you know, I think he spent a lot of time on the perimeter, especially defensively, and that that's honestly really helpful. Um, I, I think it's kind of one of those situations where – I don't know if he's ever going to be a great rebounder, but I think he helps you – I think if you play enough defense, I'm not that mad if you don't rebound that well. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like he's getting beat for a lot of rebounds. Uh, he just isn't, you know, going out and getting a lot of them, if that makes sense. I think Zeke's play has been a mixed bag this year. Um, it, it's pretty apparent why Malone doesn't trust him fully in the rotation because there's just there's a lot of matchups he really struggles with. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I think he's had good attitude. He's had good energy. And he's had some good games. So I kind of think it's one of those situations where it's good to have him as an option, as a replacement, because he just he brings energy, right? Like you're never saying – you're never mad at him for not hustling. So it's just a matter of him getting more reps and stringing more good games together. And I'm confident that he'll continue to be a positive contributor for the regular season. But if I'm being honest, I think it's going to be kind of a tough path for him to earn the trust of Malone this year to be a playoff contributor because it just seems like he doesn't quite give Malone as much as he wants. Mm-hmm. But hopefully he'll just he, – he, he basically just needs more reps. So it's going to be interesting to see how much that plays out because as we're about to talk about, you know, Flacco's been playing great. So they kind of play a similar position. They can play together. But one theory I just wanted to kind of throw at you guys to see what you think is, you know, there was a lot of talk about the last game, how, uh, or the Thunder game, how DeAndre didn't play at all. And people were like, oh, he got benched because he was bad in the game before. I don't think he got benched. I think this was like a veteran, you know, back-to-back, him just saying, you're not going to play. He dressed out because of an emergency. Right. Like if if Jokic fouls out and then Jack White gets hurt, you want to be able to put in DeAndre. He just didn't end up having to use him. But I still think we're in the early portion of the season where I don't actually think Malone completely goes away from anybody. It's more of like a matchup thing. So I kind of feel like as good or bad as Zeke or DeAndre play, there's just certain matchups where Malone is like, I don't like the matchup. Yeah. I think in particular, uh, to kind of go back a couple weeks ago, the Chicago game, where matched up with Andre Drummond, you know, that's not a great matchup. That's not a good matchup for him. That's not a great matchup. It's not a good matchup for a lot of players, to be honest. That guy's huge. Exactly. And and how many players like that exist in the league? Not too many. Uh, Or Jericho Sims against the Knicks the previous week. Remember, he was just dominating us on the glass. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, And I think that's a challenge for him. I I also kind of feel like as much as it's the matchup on the other side, I also feel like the matchup next to him matters a lot. Where I know Zeke and Vlaco play a similar role at the same time. I feel like their skills are a little bit complementary, more so than I think Jeff Green and Zeke. Their skills are rather, I would say their weaknesses are they kind of stack on top of each other. In a way yeah, you that can't I have two bigs that don't rebound on the floor at the same time. Right. That doesn't work in the NBA. Exactly. Even though I don't think that they're offensively, I think it'd be fine. I mean, Zeke's a great floor spacer. Jeff can do a lot of different things on the court. Uh, but I think Jeff and, and maybe Zeke as well both benefit from having a guy on the court, whether it's Vlatko or DeAndre Jordan or whoever it's going to be, really be their rock as far as someone who's going to box out the tougher assignment, if that makes sense, whether they get the rebound or not. Um, so all, all that being said, I, I 
so I don't want to say I dislike Jeff. I feel like Jeff is the hardest player to pair mm-hmm. among among their front court options off the bench. Um, particularly for that reason, it's like kind of the rebounding thing and the just uh, he's not really a five, but he's not really a wing in in the sense of mobility. Right. But um, I. I kind of want him to still play, and you do. I think, <laughs> yeah, I'd like him to play as a starter. Just in the okay. nights of like, oh, is Mike out? Is is Aaron out? I think he's better as a starter in, in kind of being the well-rounded guy that I think replicating that in the way that Mike is and the way that Aaron can be. Okay, more Aaron than Mike, but more so. Right, he's some- he's really good playing off Jokic versus like in the second unit having to create more, even though they run post-ups for him, which is kind of hilarious. But. Well, yeah, I think that's one of the best opportunities for him to be effective is on post-ups yeah. at this point in his career, which is yeah. um, sometimes it works. True. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's about, it kind of reminds me of Paul Millsap in his last year where he found the post a lot, um, especially in mess matches. And that, that was some nights really good for him. Some nights, you know, he goes one for seven. Sure did. But, yeah. Um, he's at least in control. He's at least not turning the ball over. Um, Dole, are you like, do you feel like there's still a place for Jeff on the team after this last week of kind of them thriving without him? Yeah, absolutely. I think that Jeff, um, uh, he provides a lot of valuable uh, uh, locker room, um, coaching, uh, even just, some uh, physicality, uh, I think, is the most important skill that he brings. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, beginning of the year, Jeff's been through this now for I don't know how many years. It's 13 now, 14. Uh, and he just – I just cannot understand uh, why he doesn't really want to try as much, especially in the limited role and limited minutes that he has been getting. But I do understand it because he does want to be healthier uh, towards the end of the year where um, that's when we'll kind of see him a little bit more take those uh, risks, get on the floor, um, you know, and be part of a team that uh, really wants to be a part of a championship. I, I think that he's a, a perfect player. I, I, I kind of think he's like our version of uh, one of the Morris twins, uh, honestly. Um, he isn't quite as physical, doesn't talk as much uh, crap as those two, but I, I do think that he has some of that some of that uh, in him, and I think that's going to be valuable coming down the stretch when we uh, do get into the playoffs. We, we will need Jeff, I think, um, because he is going to provide the most experience uh, throughout all of the forwards that Denver has currently. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, I think it is kind of an interesting comparison of him towards like a Morris twin and that they both, you know, as we just saw in the Clippers game, uh, they like their post-ups. They like their, their tough shots, and... Um, when they're good, you know, they are kind of taking advantage of mismatches in the way that he can. So I, I kind of see the comparison. I have had like a small opinion shift with him as far as the sometimes I don't, at least this year, I don't feel like it's effort in the way that maybe it's just ability, which I think is just slightly different where I feel like he's trying, he, he's doing what he can and that. It's what he can do that is a little bit more limited than it has been before. And I'm a little bit more forgiving of that than I think when you see a guy who has the capability, who has the ability, who has the the talent, 
uh, and the energy, and then just kind of isn't engaged. Um, and I think even off the bench, like when he's not off the bench, but when he's on the bench, like not in the game, I actually think he's been really supportive and happy and uh, very cool and comfortable with not, you know, not having to play. And I think that's, uh, it's really good for just the locker room in general to have, I think it's one of the things, if you're a coach, if you're, you know, worrying about the dynamic there with the, is a player going to be okay not being the the number one option right now? Do, you, do they have to start every game? I think Jeff's been pretty professional and, and positive about not being um, chosen in the moments for now. Right. Yeah. I mean, go ahead, Peter. I, I'm just, there's one thing about Jeff Green that is confusing to me. And that is he has these poster dunks all the time, right? Yes. Like, even though he's older, he's probably one of the best athletes on the team, right? Like the only guy you would for sure say is a better athlete is Aaron Gordon. But if you're that athletic dude, why can't you, if you can jump to dunk, why can't you jump to rebound? I don't completely understand that. Like, I think Mike, his gas tank is just real small. You know right. what I mean? It's like he sees the ball and he's like, do I want to jump for it? I don't know. Like Mike still rebounds. You know, he's he's a good athlete and he doesn't have the same IQ as Jeff Green, but he gets way more rebounds. Maybe it's just the no. youth thing. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think so. It's like Jeff Green is like one of the fastest cars we have, but he has like a, a four-gallon gas tank. Oh. And, and that's, <laughs> you know, there, there might be um, – you know, I drive a Nissan Versa. It gets like 40 miles to the gallon, 10 miles to the gallon. It'll go really far, but it's not necessarily as fast. I see. So it's not yeah. that he can't jump for it. It's more like he's got to conserve energy. Well, yeah. He only has so many jumps in him, I think, per right. day. And Fair. he has to either be selective about when he does it, or I think if he goes hard in the way that we're talking about like every time i'm going to yeah. do my best to like get every rebound he's just going to burn out really quickly um so i like this for him i like that he's you know getting the chill i like that he's happy with it i like that uh the other guys are playing well and, and to kind of get to that so do we want to take a break actually and we'll go come back and talk about blocko chantra sure let's do that all right we'll see you in a second uh and then we'll talk about chalky And we are back, Four Corners here, uh, for Ray, Peter, Victor. Uh, we are here to talk about Vlako Chanchar, the uh, Slovenian son that, that we all know and love. So first, I'll start with this. We had four games this week. One of them, Vlako didn't play in, and we lost. Uh, that's, that's all I'll say is, is, is you, you, three games with Vlako, you win. One game without Vlako, you lose. I mean, it's just math. It's just math. Um, but, uh, you know, he... I I think you can go to a lot of... Uh, you look at it statistically, I don't think his numbers are eye-popping at all. You know, his, his, you know what his season average on points is? It's like five points. Mm. But he does so many... He's just been doing so many, like, good things on the court as far as being a rebounder, being a good screener which I know sounds like not a skill, but I think it is. Just being impactful out there. He's making his shots uh, from deep. And I think the most 
So for me, the most surprising thing, he kind of has some, he's made some nice post moves. You know, if you had told me um, going into the season, what does Vlaco do well? I would have told you Vlaco doesn't post up at all. You know, the fact and that that's a benefit that that is kind of part of the way he keeps the ball moving. But uh, it kind of speaks to his growth, maybe that that he's able to take decent mismatches and that sort of thing and turn them into points. Uh, I think that is something that is uh, not shocking, but. A pleasant surprise, without a doubt. Um, before before I like yell, cheer, run around the room screaming that I was right, um, Dole, I'm gonna let you cook. Tell tell me. So, how uh, wh when you when we brought in Vlatko, I'll say, what was your kind of initial opinions of him? And as far as this year, how do you feel like he's changed? So, so do you mean like when we brought him in first time this year, or maybe do you think when like, we brought him in, in originally? Originally, yeah. Like, did you think much of Vlaco? Because I feel like he's kind of like nondescript. You know, he's one of those guys that if Vlaco's in two, Vlaco. Now that it's, let me, let me talk about this. Vlaco's not in two K. Like, if you go to two K and you open up the team and you go on quick play online, it'll play there. You'll find like Ish Smith is like the thirteenth man. Peyton Watson is like the fourteenth man. Uh, I think DeAndre Jordan maybe is the 15th man. Vlaco's not in the, he's <laughs> not on the, on the roster uh, in, in like casual play. I think you have to go and like modify the rosters or something. That is to say, like, I guess when was the first time you even remember seeing Vlaco and thinking about him as as a as a guy, as a meaningful <laughs> player? So I mean, re realistically, I, I've always known Vlaco to be on the team. Um, I just from my early Nuggets years, or well, his early Nuggets years, I would say, uh, he's he's really been that type of guy that, you know, he's been on the end of the bench, might be a project guy. I mean, the Nuggets were still kind of at the young stages of the team being young and um, them bringing in prospects to try and develop. I, I think that that's something that's very important um, to remember because I, the, when the Nuggets signed him, you know, they didn't really think he was going to be like, uh, hey, let's hope this guy evolves into a really good player in like, you know, two or three years. Uh, it took a little bit longer than that. He, it took a little bit longer for him to um, grow in this uh, NBA uh, type of uh, setting. Um, you know, he's always been known to play in Euro ball and uh, he's been really transformed. He's really transformed his game. And I think it has ultimately benefited him. And uh, kudos to the Nuggets for recognizing that talent and sticking out with him because I think that he has been a great player. Um, you know, if you have to bring him off the end of the bench, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he can step in and he's always been that guy that won't screw up. And now we're getting to the point where he's the type of guy that you want on the court with that second unit because he's not a ball stopper. You know, you have him and Bruce Brown on the court at the same time, and he, they have been phenomenal. They know exactly what to do with the ball, exactly where to go with it. They're both taking smart shots, getting guys involved. And uh, low-key, he's got a really strong screen game you know he sets really tough strong picks for guys for playing the three four position and I think that that's so valuable with playing with guys like Bones who ultimately plays a similar style to what I think of as Luca plays with uh, Slovenia and I think that really helped him and uh, it is more of a familiar uh, style that he's used to playing and it definitely shows he's definitely playing like he is on team Slovenia right now Another thing I'll say is, like, Vlaco is fun. 
And I know he's not, he's not like bull bull fun in the sense that, oh, he's doing crazy things, but. You can't compare those two players. Are you serious? (laughs) Are you saying Vlatko is, is, is bull bull kinds of fun? No, he's like way more high, better, way better IQ. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm not, I'm not trying to compare them as like general players. I'm just saying what kind of fun they are. Like Flacco is fun is what I'm saying. You know, people, he's easy to cheer for. He's got this Peaky Blinders haircut um, and he's just like a nice, friendly, funny guy that is, is just like, oh, he's, he's cool. That all of a sudden, you know, seeing him out on the court just doing things. So you just mean just, easy to root for. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's easy to root for. Um, I can get on board with that. For sure. And he's, you just, he hits when he hits his threes. It's just it's something a little bit different because you're just not thinking about him. I think other teams aren't thinking about him. And I just feel like that's really fun. Yeah, that's all I'll say. All right. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned earlier that, you know, what you expect out of him is three point shooting. Apparently, he not only hits his threes, he hits his shots from beyond half court. We have to bring that Facts. up. I mean, you, you put him into the game, two seconds left, first half, shoots it, and just straight water. It cuts the lead from six to three at that point, I think, and then the Nuggets ended up winning the game by one point. Well, in a so, way, it was kind of a six-point swing. Right. With, with like, so, a Luka out-of-bounds play. So it's kind I, of a I've, big... been working, I've been working on this take all week. Okay. He, I'm ready he, for it. Two seconds left, he hits a shot beyond half court that the Nuggets end up winning by one point. Is that the most clutch shot in the history of the second quarter in the National Basketball Association? It might be. I'd have to or, think about or it. Or can there not be a clutch shot in the second quarter? By well, definition. Yeah, I think it's what helps the case is that they won the game by one point. That, right. you know, the difference was so small that you can look at it. In a way, you can say that any any basket would have been was the difference. That the free throws were the difference. That all these things were the difference. But in that way, yeah. you you know, that shot was really the a big difference in that game. Uh, both I'm, in I'm sure there's just, been just energy. I'm sure there's been other buzzer beaters at the second quarter, and the team ended up winning by one point. I just don't know if they were from half court. Right, uh, and I thought it was just a really interesting play because I think it says a lot about him. And who he is that that he practices that (laughs) yes in in that he's been here for a while you know um he's on he's on a three new three-year deal now which i think is great i'm happy to have him here for um the long term or at least the medium term i think it says a lot that not being on the court not being in the rotation not really getting a lot of opportunities in situations where you know, there you can look up and down the roster in the, over the past few years and say like, oh, you know, the Vlaka that we're getting right now, maybe he would have been better than X player or Y player. To go through all of that, think how can I contribute to winning if I'm not con- like contributing on a regular basis in normal basketball? Well, I could become a specialist for this thing and I'm going to put in the work day in and day out to do it. And, and, and to be called upon eventually for this like special moment, I almost feel like it's made me rethink what a 15th man can be. Cause like you might as well, if you're a 15th man on a roster, I don't care what level you're playing, high school, college, whatever. Maybe you could use a half court specialist. 
Well, um, that brings me to my next question, which is like half serious, half hilarious. Uh-huh. Whenever he's a free agent again, can he put this Never. on his resume? Is this like, oh, well, yeah. look, this is what I do well. I also, I'm one of the best half court shot shooters in the league. Of all time. This is, <laughs> like, it's like having a bullpen specialist in baseball, right? It's like you have yeah. the one lefty submarine guy who can get guys out. Like how many guys in the NBA have this skill set? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> or uh, I'm, I'm trying. I'm gonna not make a football reference here, but um, there's there there are some. You can make a lot of different different comparisons. I, I'm just it's just really impressive that he just held it together in, in this whole through this whole process that that he's had success at so many different levels outside of this team, and he's always been a consummate professional. He's always been good vibes. He's always been supportive of his teammates. I love Vlaco. He's great. Uh, I'm just really happy that he's playing. So let's move on to the the next game that he plays in against OKC. Okay, Detroit game, the game that you lost, he didn't play in. But Oklahoma City Thunder. So So we're not we're not worried about that game. That game didn't happen. Uh, But yeah, against OKC, comes in and he ends up with a career high, right? Yes, sir. 19 points. You know, nothing nothing crazy, but um, big in the supporting just like a supporting cast role plays 35 minutes um i think he led a great the team game for shots him. that game actually yeah yeah not even yeah, a great like, game for him he he missed a lot of like yeah the shots you wish were makeable but i think he's still somebody had to guys are gonna miss shots yeah i'm okay with that sometimes as long as you're doing the right things um you're you're working hard boxing out you're trying to play defense which also you know Played great defense. I he think that's one of the things defense, that yeah. people find really, it's been really impressive for him, is that um, his mobility, um, you know, I, I'm not sure how you feel about this goal, but I feel like he's done a great job of impressing me with his defensive acumen. Yeah, I I think that, I, I can just think of a couple of possessions with, with Vladko, and he does a phenomenal job helping off the screen. He was really, I thought, really good um, right down the stretch when he was guarding SGA. I mean, SGA was getting looks, but he was getting some tougher looks on Vladko. Vladko is big enough. He's mobile enough to move with them. You know, maybe that might be something to look into next time when they do play Oklahoma City is, hey, maybe we can try a couple more minutes with Vladko on him and see if it works. Um, You know, and it clearly worked. I'm going to recognize that as a – I don't know, two out of three peppers, hot take. I don't know. But yeah, it, continue. And, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but uh, I, you know, when I was watching down the stretch there with about seven, five minutes left, Vladko was switch on to him, and he was playing great defense on him, making him take his pull-up jumper from the elbow. And I remember there was one shot where Vladko contested at the rim, and the other shot was Vladko contested uh, SGA at the elbow, and I believe he overshot it and – it was a terrible shot, um, and it was a big miss, too, because the Nuggets were going on that little 9-0 run. Uh, if you remember that, uh, they were down by about 12. They went on a 9-0 run, and then Oklahoma City called a timeout with about four minutes left, and it was pretty close from then on out until the, the Nuggets ultimately won. But I think Vladko is, um, you know, he's an interesting prospect. I think he's uh, a very good matchup against some players like SGA, just a big physical guy. Um, I think another interesting matchup would be would um, you know if he were to go on Luca. I mean he's he plays with Luca. 
I think that That's he true. might know his game a little bit better than uh, a lot of people. You know, uh, I obviously we we have gotten AG to stop him, but AG is not going to be guarding him the whole game. It might be beneficial, you know. Hey, Vladko, can you go in and give us, you know, three five minutes at a time on on uh, Luca if you can? And and I mean, what's the worst that can happen? He gets going. I mean, I guess you tried it out and. Then you make a mental note of that, and you can prepare a little bit better if they have a playoff series together. So, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, particularly with Luca. I mean, maybe you can kind of play on their personal relationship as far as their history with each other, and just the, you know, I think Faku had this sometimes with players where because he annoyed them so much, they started to hate him personally, and that kind of takes them out of the game. So maybe you can kind of finesse that in a way with with players like that. Um, and, and so Vlaco's not, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say he's a great, the best athlete on the team, like athletically gifted necessarily, but I think he's one of the best developed athletes on the team in, in terms of has he taken his body to the like absolute limit, you know, in, in ways yeah. that not many NBA players are willing and able to have the consistency uh, off season, you know, mid season, he was his Jokic's workout partner. So, I, well, I let's be honest. His first him. couple of years in the league, the game looked a little bit too fast for him, right? I mean, that's kind of why I was out on him. Was like this dude has good IQ, good skills. He just doesn't have the the foot speed and the physicality to keep up. He's worked on that. You don't mm-hmm. often see guys get better in those areas. But credit to Vlaco, he looks like an NBA player now, legit. I, I, I'm kind of curious a little bit if uh, I'm, I'm not sure if he spoke a different language at all, but I'm wondering if uh, if like a language barrier ended up kind of like kind of slowing that growth a little bit. You know, I've, I'm not sure if he came over here and didn't know English or anything like that. So um, maybe that would maybe play into it some too. It's possible. I know it helped with Jokic as far as like just having a guy to talk to. So that's nice. You know, I think and- that's also just like an ancillary benefit. Ray, I don't know if you care about this, but after the OKC game, he got the Bill Simmons stamp of approval. Yes, he did. Quietly purchased some Vlatko Chantar stock last week, feeling good right now. (laughs) I mean, my portfolio is very, like, heavily weighted towards towards the Vlatko stock. So, I mean, I I appreciate that. It's driven up. The the price has risen a lot. I'm doing doing pretty well on my my stocks. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Are you going to sell now and and cash in while it's hot, or are you going to keep going? I don't think this is the peak. I think okay. I think Blanco stocks are going to to, to the moon, as All they right. say. Yeah. Um, I I, I guess I just want to kind of drift on one side topic real quick with how sure. well Vladko is playing. Um, trade deadline comes up. Does Vladko have any value to maybe get a player if they traded a pick and Vladko for you know someone to get that extra defender, wing defender, or um, you know something like Jay Crowder, but. I don't I'm think, not sure what are your guys' thoughts. No, I, I don't think he has nearly enough of a sample size yet. Um, plus, he's on such a good contract. Like, the Nuggets don't have a ton of flexibility. They're better off keeping a guy that makes that little money that can play spot minutes. Um, I think, the honestly, the only way you could trade him and get good value would be if you traded him to the Mavericks, right? Like, he would be a lot more valuable Ooh. to the Mavericks because that would help you keep Luca long term. So, if you could get like a Dorian Finney-Smith back, yeah, but that's not that trade would never happen. Like Finney-Smith's way better. So, 
I don't think we'd want to help Dallas and they wouldn't want to help us. I think Vlaco, you know, he's on a long-term deal and it's for pretty cheap. So I think he's going to be a good role player here for a while, unless there is some sort of bigger deal that materializes with multiple players and he ends up being a throw in. But I think he's a perfect guy to have on the roster who doesn't make a lot of money, you know, since our core does make a lot of money. So out of the two guys, Zeke Vladko, you would say Zeke's probably more likely to be traded? For sure. Okay. I'm not sure in the sense that I I might say Jeff in that he just is the most, his contract is the most uh, meaningful to move, $4.5 million. I think that's that's kind of their best, short of trading um, a KCP, an Aaron Gordon, a Bruce Brown. I don't know who else they could move. At the same time, I feel like this, the past week or so, has shown that all those guys can play in certain contexts and be useful players. So I'm not sure that, I don't know that they're going to make a move. If if Jeff is okay with not playing, if you are going to save him for the playoffs, I mean, what they've been doing right now is working. And I don't know if it's the, the somebody's got to go situation that I kind of expected it to be, to be honest, going into the season. Um, but, you know, I think options open. I think, like right now, if I had to guess, I would say they stand pat. But Calvin Booth has shown to be aggressive. So for sure, if there's a move out there that he likes that will make the team better, he thinks will make the team better. Now, I I don't think he's going to hesitate to make that move. And in knowing that, like they can all play, even Zignaji, I think we're talking about him as like the most. Maybe he's the least up stonks, you know, among that group. Knowing that he can still he can defend well, he's still shooting the ball well. You know, he's still working hard. He's still trying to contribute. I, I think that gives uh, it gives confidence that if you move one or two of those guys, that you still are going to have the the kind of you know depth that you need to still you know fill that role. Just back up forward. Yeah. So uh, we, I mean, I'm going to continue to bury the lead <laughs> and not talk about Jokic. Real quick, Christian Brown. Uh, in this game in particular, over three, about 13 minutes, he's gonna kind of gotten like a short pull he, uh, the last week or so. I don't know what to say about it, but I mean, is it something that you've been thinking about, uh, Joel? Yes, I have been thinking about this. Um, I think that, you know, uh, some people say like, you know, Malone sees something he doesn't like and he pulls him. Um, you know, maybe I'm thinking of, you know, kind of like a... a a learned response is kind of what Malone is trying to do and coach him to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he maybe sees one thing that he really, really wants Brown to be working on. And um, whatever it is, none of us or uh, beat writers or anything haven't really identified what he's doing wrong yet. Um, but uh, I think that's what Malone is doing. I think he's seeing, Hey, you know, if you do this in the playoffs, we're going to get torched and you every time you do it, I'm going to pull you from the game. So it's consciously getting Brown to realize, you know, Hey, I need to work better at getting better at doing this one specific thing that I'm uh, failing in Malone's eyes. So um, I think that might be something that uh, we could be on the lookout for is just seeing, you know, what is this thing that he's doing that is getting him pulled from the game? Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing because like in a lot of cases, I would have an idea of like, oh, he's not doing, not defending well, or he's not rebounding well, or he's playing the wrong way. But I don't know that he is. I don't think he's shooting well. You know, he's kind of, he's two for eight, I think, in this week. Uh, 
uh, and he's not shooting a lot, but I don't know if that's a problem because his role is kind of one that you're supposed to be defending. You're supposed to be rebounding. You're supposed to be doing the little things. Um, I, I'm not sure. It's my biggest question mark on the season is like, what's the deal here? Uh, Peter, is this something you've been thinking about as well? Not as much as you guys. Um, I'm not worried about it. Are we, are we overemphasizing Christian Brown, the like, like 13th guy on the roster? Here, here's what I think. I think that we've had a strange week with guys in and out of the lineup with sickness and injuries. Mm-hmm. And I think that he was drafted mostly for defense, right? Like he's, he's going to develop the offensive game over time. But I kind of think that Malone looks at him as like he's he's pretty big, but there's some guys that are still going to be a tough matchup for him. Like he's not really guarding the really quick guards, or he you know he can't really guard Shea. Nobody really can. But I guess what I'm saying is his defense is still kind of more matchup based. Like some games he's going to have a really big impact, and other games he just won't have as much. The other thing is he just needs like a weight room year basically that'll help that'll definitely help i kind of look at it more of like depending on who's in and out of the lineup there's just certain pairings that work better with him and and ones that don't so i kind of feel like on to in in number to to use well to use a term that that jalen rose has always used for for years is like for bigs he'll he'll he always says you're either a skill big or a will big right like kenneth freed was a will big Right, because he's always got the will to fight and sprint, and he, you know, he's an energy big, and he has a forty-inch first. To me, Christian, to me, Christian Brown is an energy guard. Right, he's not that skilled, and so he actually fits really well next to a guy like Jeff Green, because Jeff Green is like doesn't have all that much energy, and he's pretty skilled. But when you have to play Brown in lineups next to guys like Zeke Naji and Jack White, he's just not really going to pop because he can't, as you can see, he can't break guys down off the dribble. So it's not a concern for me. I just think that it's going to be kind of a typical rookie year where, like, sometimes he's going to get a chance, sometimes he's going to have a short leash. But I, I, overall, I'm still, I still think he's, like, he's still in the fight. You know, it's not like he's lost confidence. I, I think he's going to be okay. Cool. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I do think a year in the weight room and come back, and I think he could be very different. You know, he's so he has a lot of size and length that uh, I hope he plays more two than three, but he'll be in a lot of positions that especially if he does improve his body, he can take advantage of the physical differences between him and the guy across from him. I mean, he's kind of like yeah. Clay Thompson size, you know, well, and he's... not 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 skill set or anything like that. But the size wise, I think he could be a big length boost. Well, and but but Ray, like the key point I'm trying to make is. He is like, remember how I talked earlier about how Bones has the confidence to take more shots if he needs to? Christian yeah. Brown is the opposite of that. He is what I he was talking about. He has two games this week he's with no just trying, attempts, yeah. He's just trying to go in the game and not mess up. But when you're down your stars, you need guys to step up and score. He can't really do that yet. So I'm On not, court leadership. I'm not, I'm not worried, but I am also understand why Malone is like, I'm not going to this guy. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, he does have KCP, he has Bruce Brown, he has options. So, yeah. Uh, and they're playing heavy minutes as well. Um, right. So, all right. Do we want to talk about Davon Reed or do we want to talk about Jokic? 
Do we need to talk about I, Davon Reed? I don't think we need to talk about Davon. I think we've gone way too long without shouting out how good Aaron Gordon has been. I mean, he hit some huge threes in the OKC game to bring us back, and then he was phenomenal again on Friday night. For sure. Um, Gordon is on an absolute heater right now. I think the Broncos, or excuse me, the Nuggets just need to uh, start feeding him. Uh, until Broncos could use him too, honestly. They probably yes, could. They could. I, the Broncos <laughs> could just use a warm body. You're probably, exactly. he'd be their best wide receiver. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He would be. Um, but just talking back on Nuggets uh, uh, basketball here, I, I, I mean, he's been making shots, but I think 50%, three points percentage this week. He's like just That's below huge. it. Just below it? Yeah, he touched 50, and then I think he went like, Shoot. Oh, you mean from from the field or from three? I I thought it was from three, but I, I definitely could be wrong there. But um, yeah, I, just overall, I mean, Aaron Gordon is playing above average right now. He's scoring in the high twenties. I think he's done that a couple times this year now. Um, I think that bringing Murray and uh, Porter back absolutely elevate him because you can't guard everyone. So uh, k- kudos to him for finding his spot in the offense and playing uh like the way uh that the Nuggets envision him playing because he is going to be that key to the you know that teams try to let him shoot in the playoffs um if he's shooting like this in the playoffs it's going to be a quick series 39.1 percent from three this year he's okay. so that's much huge. fun he's so much fun when he's on right like when he's on yes. he looks like an all-star because he's such a ridiculous athlete and and you can tell like in some games the other teams are just like oh we don't want to have to deal with the physicality of this guy like he just totally big boyed the clippers the other night it was beautiful he did and you can kind of see why orlando thought wow this guy could be you know the guy to some extent yeah and and one of the concerns i had going into this year for him was that you know players just weren't guarding him they're kind of making the choice of like okay you know i'll just let you shoot but 39%. 39%. I mean, that's not all that you shoot percentages. Uh, I, I think if he can c- kind of continue that, even at a decent clip, he doesn't have to shoot 39. He could shoot 38, 37%. Um, we're talking like, how do you guard the Denver Nuggets when they're, when they're back? When Mike's in one corner, when Aaron's in another, and you've got Jokic and Jamal Murray and like all these guys and Bones Highland come off the bench. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> I think there's well, a lot. Yeah, There's a lot, and, lot in the can for, for Denver. And, and Ray, I, I think one thing we really have to mention about Aaron Gordon is as much as we've talked about how last year was kind of a lost year, at least him and Jokic got to build that chemistry together. And so I think now, whether Jamal's playing well or Mike's in the lineup or not, obviously you always want those guys there and available, but it seems like no matter what, AG is engaged and him and Jokic have built a nice sort of two-man connection. I know they're not running a ton of pick and roll, but just he's so good at timing his cuts now, right? Like Jokic finds him all the time for like two to three easy dunks per game. And they had that huge one at the end of the OKC game. Jokic whips the ball underneath. Two guys were like right there. Like he wasn't he wasn't not open, but he wasn't wide open, right? That had to be like a, a needle to fast throw. pass. And AG was ready for it and dunked it right away. And like, we don't have anybody else in the roster that could have done that, like. Two years ago, that's Millsap, and he gets swatted. So, three years ago is Mason Plumley, and he, and he yeah. does the same time. <laughs> but that's yeah, all. Sorry, I Millsap, anyway. we love you, but AG is, is here now. Yeah, yeah, we love. I am not gonna lie. Um, I have a hard time with. I have a hard time with Dad as a nickname. <laughs> but well, Dad yeah, is retired, no. so he's enjoying retirement somewhere. 
Yeah, no, I'm sure he's doing magic tricks with his kids and stuff and having a oh, great yeah. time. Um, but no, I agree with you in that I do think, you know, the Jamal Jokic two man game that's important. The Michael Porter connection, I think that matters a lot. Them being in and out of the lineup, Aaron Gordon and Jokic might be the best connection, connectivity, you know, whatever rating you want to give that um, on the team right now as far as just they've been together. They've been doing it this whole time. They're kind of where Mike, you wish Mike had been. <laughs> you know, well, if Mike had been out there that they might have uh, worked on these kinds of things. You know what else I really love about AG's game? I, I know a lot of people don't love him shooting this many threes. But I love the fact that he makes quick decisions, right? He doesn't stick yeah. with the ball. He he pushes the ball, he runs in transition, and he catches it, and he either goes up right away or he swings and he passes it. Like, he's actually a perfect player to play with Jokic. And, and sometimes he has some moments where I'm like, AG, no, don't do that. And then he makes a shot yeah. anyway, or he misses. But I do think that that is better than unsureness like uh, a questioning oh do i shoot this he left me open let me take a few dribbles and think about it and then uh spin the ball a few times and then yeah it's that he's making these quick decisions i think is good for his just the outcomes in general whether he makes or misses shots or, or what have you yeah i mean to me he's a classic player of like plays better when you don't think about it because he's so good in the open court but then my only, my biggest gripe with him, honestly, is not the decision making. It's he's a pretty bad free throw shooter. You know, I think he's just gets in his own head probably, and maybe he's like trying too hard and tenses up. I don't know if he had if he just caught it and shot it, maybe he'd shoot a better percentage from the line. I don't know. So, Dole, I'm curious what you think of this. Can you be too strong for free throws? <laughs> I think um, this is. I think you can. I think you see with a lot of like NBA big men is that they're just kind of like too. The le- the the physics are different, and the the muscular, you know, those two. And Bede's a good free throw shooter, though. Okay. Well, I mean, when you're taking twenty a game, <laughs> <laughs> he's got the practice. That's fair. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I don't really have much of any difference on it. I I've always thought shooting was, you know, a lot of. Uh, I don't know what what you'd say. If it's more of just like a learned response, I think you know, if you're bigger, um, I think. At least around here where I'm from, it seems like if you're a lot taller than everyone else, you're always just going to be told to like, hey, like you don't need to worry about shooting outside, shooting mm-hmm. free throws as much. But, uh, you know, uh, it's all inside work. They don't really work on their form as much. It's just all, can I get the shot off over the other guy? So uh, uh, I guess maybe I'm it sure might come back a little bit. But I've got some completely in the weeds analysis for this, for you, Ray, on this. So, okay. Unless you're actually shooting set shots in a game, like Andre Miller style, do you remember him? He like didn't get off the ground when he shot because he would yeah. always wait till he was wide open. He was the only player who I feel like I felt good about him doing the, I'm going to take seven minutes to shoot. Right. Most players are shooting jumpers in a game, right? And at the free throw line, it's different. You're not shooting a jumper. You're just on your toes and you're just flicking the wrist. So mm-hmm. Theoretically, there's less movement going on. There's less stuff moving around, and it should be an easy shot. But if you don't practice it a ton and get really good at it, it's an unusual shot. It really is. Like Some people might find that take crazy, but Aaron Gordon's not shooting free throws any other time than when he's at the free throw line. So I don't know how often he practices it, but yeah, it's always been like a weird thing as you're younger to be like, wait a minute, why is this guy a good shooter but not a good free throw shooter? 
it really is a different type of shot. Yeah. I mean, even I think in terms of practice time, I would, I would wager in the modern era, three pointers get practiced a lot more than mid range shots just in general yeah. at, at right. all sort of eight feet, 10 feet, 16 feet, those sorts of things. I think people see, you know, and, and there's the, the numbers to back it up as far as math and what's most efficient. Uh, and, and like at, and Joel, kind of to your point, at lower levels, you know, high school coaches aren't like more mid-range shots. <laughs> you know, yeah. they want you to take, they want you to take the, you know, make your layups and and sort of get quality looks. And maybe if you have yep. a guy who's a shooter, maybe you can shoot threes. But um, for the most the part, I don't know that they're the most popular. Yes, absolutely, I totally agree with you, Ray. Yeah. So this might be the longest we've gone without talking about Nicola. 39 oh, points. So good. So good. 39 points, uh, you know, behind. So it's a good so win versus OKC, kind of make that comeback. I mean, I think that was a game that was reminiscent of uh, last year or maybe the back half yeah. of the year before, where it's just kind of like it's Jokic and the boys and Jokic getting the ball. He's going to dominate. And I think he went in with sort of the right mentality for that. And it was just nice to see. Nice to see that this is still a thing. That, that, oh, it's beautiful. For the most part this year, I feel like he's been comfortable setting guys up, and I think that's important, and I think he should kind of move with that energy because we do need Jamal to be better than he's been in some of these games. We do need Mike to get back to that point where he was. It, it has that connectivity with the other guys and the confidence to, to you know, he needs confidence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, let, let's be honest. Like We talked about this before. He's been in cruise control all year. Right. I mean, he's had some good games, but this was finally like, I think the Detroit game pissed him off. He played well in that game. Jamal did not play well. You lose to the Pistons and he came out against OKC being like, F this shit. But, you know, we need to win games. And last two games, he's looked like MVP Nikola Jokic again. And uh, here's the analogy I'll make for you guys. You guys ever done tug of war? You know, like multiple people. I know what it is, but like I've never actually, I can't recall ever actually playing tug of war. Well, anyway, a lot I know of I times didn't have a childhood, but okay, people will put their biggest person at the back in tug of war. Yeah, and if you want to just win right away, that's kind of boring. Just like everybody pull, but typically, what the guys in tug of war are doing, the stronger guys, is they're giving like sixty to seventy percent effort and seeing if their team is going to be good enough to like get the win for them. And then once the ropes kind of even. Then they'll be like, all right, that's enough. Now I'm going to do the full pull, give all my strength, effort, and then win. And I feel like that's what Jokic did in the last couple of games. He's like, I've been trying. Uh, you know, We've had some success, but if I want to flip the switch and just be the best player on the floor, I can still do that. I did not know Tug of War had a meta. Uh, I'm interested. That, that's cool. And well, it's yeah. all random. Like, There's different. I'm not talking about like competitive Tug of War. I don't know. If there's no, like a that's where they do that, but I've never really thought I was like a pull is what I would just think. But no, but that does make sense. It kind of improves your ability to like endure for one and to kind right. of be there when you need them. I think um the comparison I would make is Jokic is a lot, he's a lot like LeBron in this sense of just like game control. Uh, of saying I can dominate anytime I want to. And I just need to know that when 
you know, crunch time comes, when it's May, when it's June, when it's July, that my teammates are going to be there for me. So let me spend this time getting them set up, getting them in rhythm so that I don't feel like I have to do it all myself. I feel like there's one crucial difference here, though. The LeBron still wants to get his numbers. Jokic does not care. Yeah. Yeah, to some extent. He's a little bit more vain. He, for sure. he had, was just had his first game back and he had 39 points. Like, I was impressed. I was like, wow, LeBron still got it. But he wants everybody to know he still got it. Well, I also think, you know, he is a lot like Jokic in that he knows how good his team is. And oh. he knows that there's not a lot of, uh, are the Lakers playing for a championship? Not really. So, you know, I, I, I'm sure LeBron would love to add another ring to his collection. You know, that's big for his legacy. And oh. short of that, I mean, what else is good for his legacy? It's a you're, scoring title. You're or, saying he's you know. having the, the Kobe attitude. Why would I pass to Smush Parker? Like, it's a better shot if I shoot it? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think that's true for the team to the extent that he's willing to do that. But also, you know, if you're going to waste this season, I might as well get X amount closer to whoever the next person is on the scoring ladder. Yeah. yeah. All right. There's some worries. Okay, so... Not similar in, in, in every way. I'm not saying that, but similar in some ways. Game control, you know, making that decision. I mean, we're all biased Nuggets fans here, but I think we would all agree that LeBron is still a more selfish player than Jokic, even though they're both generational passers. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a pressure on LeBron that I think Jokic hasn't had either. So, and I want to I want to be fair sure. to him in that way where people just expect so much of him. You know, I don't, I don't. No, that's I true. The, it, I want to, I want to come back. I want to preface this with like, I hate the Lakers. Yeah. Don't, don't get it twisted. <laughs> I hate the Lakers. With You're every right. Fiber if LeBron game. scored nine points in a game, people would be like, what the fuck? Right. If LeBron had a game where he didn't shoot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Stephen A and Skip Bayless would get back together to roast him. Yeah. Like it would be that, that where like for in Denver, in Denver, like, and this, this, you know, sloppy fat boy didn't shoot in the game. Like, people Perfect don't care. environment for Jokic. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that's cool. It's fine. I'm good with that. Yeah. But, um, so, you know, I want to, I, I, I don't hate, Le, I think LeBron has a lot of fair and unfair criticism. So do you want to move on to upcoming week or do you have any more takeaways from uh, the Clippers game? No, nah, no. Nah. I, I think the Clippers game was, um, Kind of a route from the jump, more or it less. Was a good win. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi not playing, Paul George not playing. That team, I was really high on that team in the beginning, going into the season, because I feel like it's built to have, I think a lot like the Raptors were, it's a team that's built to have a leader like Kawhi, like Paul George, carry them to, a, like a, to success because they have a lot of length. They just don't have a lot of playmaking or creation. But, you know, if you've got a guy who can just, like, do every all the leadership on offense himself, like those two, that's cool. The challenge is they're not here. <laughs> so uh, when they're not playing, I just – that was a very safe, comfortable win that um, – and, and it's kind of sad for the Clippers. Right. That, that – um, I mean, I understand they're not always going to be healthy, but to have them not have the leadership that they were agreed to have, promised, you know, hopefully, 
that um, it's got to be a disappointment for them as an organization. I mean, I'm not going to write them off yet. It's still November. But if we look at history, I kind of feel like the Clippers are always better when they don't have any pressure, right? It's like these guys just cannot deal with pressure at all. So it's almost like going to be better for them if they just go 500 the next few weeks and then people are like, oh, the Clippers, they don't have it this year. And then maybe they'll make yeah. a run later. But they do need that run later. Like they need <laughs> yeah. like three, the last three months of the season, I mean, Kawhi and PG, they need to play like 70, 80, 90% of these, these games. At least you can't have games where you don't have either of them. Right. Um, I think both. And they the record, have they have trade pieces too. Unfortunately, they they're not necessarily a finished product right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate the Clippers as much. Like, I hate the Lakers because they're like the evil empire of the NBA. The Clippers, yeah. I'm just kind of, I kind of, there's some, you know, aw, I feel bad for them. <laughs> but um, I, I, fuck them. Okay, that's fair. I mean, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we're not a Clippers podcast. We're a Nuggets podcast. So to kind of look ahead, uh, we're playing the Houston Rockets twice this week. I mean, I don't think it'll take too long. Woo! Yeah, we're playing the Houston Rockets twice this week on uh, Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, in Denver. So home games, two in a row. It's the Rockets. Do we need? Uh, I mean, Dole, do you have any takes about this game? These games. Well, I, they're both at home. They played well at home. Um, they should win. They should win both. I think they'll win one easy, and I think the one will be closer, a little bit closer. Uh, I don't know which one that will be yet, so we'll see. But I'm looking at tickets. It says tickets low as $6. So if you are in the Denver (laughs) area, (laughs) that might be a deal. It might be a good deal. You're probably going to see a win. Um, Yeah, I, I can get behind that. And I think that the, the main thing I would say about these games is just don't totally overlook the game. Yep, don't, do not mess around. I know, right. you can like half overlook the game, to be honest, and you're probably still going to be okay. Just don't do like what Dallas did to us. That, that to, Maybe you win the first game and on the second game, like, okay, you know, we probably got this. Don't, don't assume. You know what happens when you assume you make an ass out of you and me, all that stuff. Well, remember, even though the Rockets aren't good, we're still in the early part of the season which means teams are still trying hard, right? They're not, like, out of it to where they're tanking. Like, yeah, we know they're tanking, but their right. guys are still trying to, you know, play for their career, play for contracts and stuff like that. Their next role, whatever it might be. Yeah. One guy I do think would be will be interesting to keep our eye on, guys, is uh, KJ Martin, Kenyon Martin's son. He's mm-hmm. been playing pretty well for them, and uh, he asked for a trade in the offseason. Would that be awkward? So, I With don't know Kenyon, if he's a I mean? trade target. But like like him, the relationship with Denver and that sort of thing. I don't know why it would be awkward. I mean, you'd you well, always I, I know your family uh, he and I think George Carl aren't on great terms. So I'm I'm and I know I don't know what oh, kind yeah, of terms but George the is Nuggets like, are on. George is like out the door though. He doesn't have like any ties to the Nuggets right now. The Nuggets don't really mess with George. Yeah, but does Kenyon mess with the Nuggets? I don't know. Yeah, not to say that I think it's really you know, I thought sorry. he helped. I thought he helped coach the summer league. Really? Yeah. Oh, Kenyon did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, that's fair. So, so maybe they are, you know, in good. Yeah, Kenyon is fine with the Nuggets. So I'm just, I'm just saying, like, it, he's an interesting player to watch because he's a good player, and I don't really know 
what if the Rockets like have What's him in their with plans long term or not? Because I I just I he's a little undersized, so I don't know if it would even make sense to bring him in as a big when you already have Vlatko and Zeke on the bench, unless I don't know. I, he's a guy that'll probably end up getting moved to a better team. I'm just I kind of got my eye on him. Yeah. Um. Something else that I've noticed here too. Uh, just kind of sidetracking off a little trade talk. Uh, Rockets on a two-game winning streak. They beat the Hawks at home, Thunder at home. Are you saying they're too good? So they're playing better. Are you saying they're losing the, the sweepstakes? They are. They are losing the sweepstakes. They're starting to get a hot here on a win streak. So uh, let's hope that the Nuggets can hold them off here. Both games, uh, 128 against the Hawks, 118 versus the Thunder. So. Uh, I would probably expect that one of these games that the Nuggets do not play great defense. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it. You know, I could see them going for like, oh, yeah, we'll just put up 150 and it'll be fine. I I know that Jokic doesn't listen to this kind of talk, but there's a lot of Rockets fans that think Sengun is like baby Jokic. So I'm really hoping that he takes him to school. (laughs) I mean, he did impress me, but I do. He impressed me in um, the international play this summer. But yeah. I mean, Yoke is going to show him what is what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but speaking of speaking of the Hawks, though, we've got them on Friday in Atlanta, um, 5.30 p.m. Mountain start time, a little bit earlier. How are we – I mean, the Hawks are – it's one of those games that I think there's a lot of variance because they don't see each other that often or ever, really, it feels like. Um, I'm not worried. But I think if it's if there's one of the games that they're going to lose this week, I kind of feel like it might be that one. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, the Hawks are No talented. predictions, though. I mean, they're off I'm to a good start, guys. and, you know, they've got a lot of tough matchups for us. One really interesting thing about the Hawks that I wasn't expecting, I, I forget which pod I was listening to, but somebody pointed out last week that the Hawks are actually last in the NBA in three-point rate. Not percentage, but they just actually don't shoot a lot of threes. So you would think like, oh, Trey Young, like they're just bombing away. Apparently not. Apparently like Trey hit some threes, but it's actually more of a conventional team than you would think. So just something else to look for when when you watch that game. Right. Right. I think too um, that uh, I think the Hawks, I've always remembered the Hawks giving the Nuggets trouble in the past. especially in Denver. Uh, so we'll see if that has anything to do with it. Another thing that I've also noted is DeJounte Murray usually kills the Nuggets too. So sure does. we'll see um, how the game goes. Yeah, it's a big challenge, I think, for Denver's like defensive options. You know, Christian Brown, uh, Bruce Brown, you know, Contavious Caldwell Pope, I think for them, they're kind of – and Jamal – just in the sense that if he's going to be out there, he's going to have to right. cover DeJounte Murray or Trey Young. And, you know, how is he going to handle that? I, I would put be... I would put KCP on Trey and put Jamal on Murray. I would too. I would too. But even then, you know, I think he's going to be at it like a physical, you know, he's still getting back. And speaking of Jamal and in, in the physical, I just feel like, I look forward to seeing him like fully not not to write off this year, but I think he needs like a, a, a real off season. You know, that's not about rehab, that's about like actually getting 
in the best shape of your life type of, a, of, of an off season before mm -hmm. we, we get back to like the bubble and, and where he was then and kind of being a good option in these matchups and being a better defender and rebounder and all these things. Well, the nice thing is, is he's still going to have two more sort of mini breaks before the playoffs. I mean, there's no way he becomes an all-star this year. So with the extended also break, that's like a week off that he can hopefully use to, to train and recover as much as he needs to. And then with the new play-in format, you know, as long as the Nuggets can finish in the top six, which I think we all expect, that's basically another week off to train at altitude and kind of get ready. So I, I think it's going to be incremental. I, I, I get what you're saying. I, he definitely could use a full healthy offseason, but I do think he's going to keep, you know, getting closer to where it needs to be as the season goes on. Yeah, I wonder if he like works out with Jokic or something after the games. I wonder if they're still doing that. <laughs> also, but you know, they're playing well, so I'm not gonna not gonna nitpick. I guess um, maybe the best game this week: New Orleans Friday, Sunday, I should Ooh. say, uh, 1:30 p.m. It's gonna be a little awkward because that's a 1:30 game, and you know that's a start time that I think is a little bit unorthodox for most NBA teams, really. At the same time, New Orleans is one of those teams that looks more and more like they're, um, they've got a lot of firepower and options and talent. And you got Zion and Brandon Ingram and uh, CJ McCollum. I was going to say not Dame Lerwood, but I don't want to Nugget killer like CJ McCollum. Yeah, Ugh. he's playing real well. Um, they've got a lot to, I mean, Peter, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you cook a little bit here. I mean, being the New Orleans native, not native, but local, um, how are you feeling about this sort of matchup? How uh, do you think it's a good, good opportunity for Denver? Do you feel like the the Pelicans are you know flying high right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be fun. I, I definitely don't think the Pelicans are firing on all cylinders just yet. Um, they have just recently started to get Zion the ball more, which is like, right. duh. <laughs> so, you know, he's a tough matchup for every single team. Um, unfortunately, Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum have also killed us over the years. So, eh, can we play good enough defense? Maybe. But if the Nuggets are going to win that game, it's going to be because they scored 120. Do you think Aaron Gordon covers Zion? No. Uh, oh, I mean, does he? Yeah, he probably does. He probably Like, that's a matchup. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is Zion is not like a knockdown shooter yet, so you can still kind of give him some space, but he's still going to beat, beat you to the basket almost every time. So do you think it's a situation where you kind of try to Denver packs the paint a little bit? Yeah, pack the paint. I mean, you want to try to not leave the right guys open. I mean, Trey Murphy, is he's lighting it up from three this year. Um, they also have Javante Graham off the bench, who's a good shooter. So CJ's having a, a strange year. He's kind of having an off shooting year. So maybe, maybe actually kind of out of the th three best players, maybe you want McCollum shooting the most, you know, out of him and, and Ingram. Cause yeah, MPJ, he, he's got the the length, but he doesn't really have the, the foot speed to stay with Ingram all that well. Um, but it should be a fun game. I mean, the Pelicans, they don't play perfect. They, they, they turn the ball over uh, more than you would they think. should probably. Mm. Um, so if the Nuggets can limit turnovers and actually maybe get some fast break points, I think that's going to be a big, big key to the game. Uh, the, the biggest concern is the bench. Like the Pelicans are just so deep. Like this could be one of those games where 
Jokic goes to the bench the first quarter. They're up like four or six, and then they just get hit with an avalanche. So they need good bench minutes. Yes. Yeah, Who's the bench their, is going to uh, be crucial. Up? Who's their bench? So they, they have Larry Nance. He's leading the NBA in offensive rating right now. Like that really? dude is just – yeah, he's incredible. I yeah. mean, he's such a good pick-and-roll player. I'm jealous we have him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was – he kind of like languished in Cleveland for a, a long while. And, um, you know, I think he's one of the guys that gets – you're not really thinking about, and he hasn't really made a name for himself. But I think he's really talented. He dunks a lot. Hmm. He's like the Jeff Green of centers. Probably okay. dunks more than Jeff. Interesting. Do you think it's a DeAndre Jordan matchup, or is this like uh, – I don't want to say – Zeke or Flacco or Jeff, particularly because I think it's going to be a mix, but a non-DJ matchup. I mean, I hate to say this, but it really doesn't matter. He's probably going to poster either one of them. <laughs> okay, so but I do DJ think DeAndre, preserve, DeAndre, preserve like, so Nancy isn't a shooter, so I, yeah. I could see them playing DeAndre because he's at least got the size to bother him. Um, I don't think that would be a good matchup for Zeke. I don't. Okay. It'll be interesting, uh, and just how Malone responds. Um, I don't know. It's it's an. How do you move forward now in terms of who you prioritize and play over the other person, especially in situations where if it's as you say, and it doesn't matter, you know, if it's not an obvious. If not an Andre Drummond or not a, a really small five, I mean, where does I think it's go? Still, I think it's still matchup-based, but I, I feel like when it's a tie in our minds that Malone defaults to the vets. Like, it seems like he only plays Zeke when he has to, which is kind of a shame, but also I get it. Yeah. I mean, trade season, few weeks. We're Maybe getting we'll there. Free him. I don't know. But I mean, I mean, if you look at the standings, though, the West is so jumbled right now. There's just no clarity yet on on where things go. I mean, seller. Utah is falling back to earth. I think they're two and seven in their last nine games. So, yeah, if they free fall, they'll they'll definitely become sellers. Like that's an open. That's not even secret, right? And then, yeah, um, go ahead. Bill. I think that uh, uh, someone that isn't going to be on that team uh, by the d- end of trade deadline is Mike Conley. I think that Conley, he's somehow okay. going to end up on the Lakers. Somehow end up on the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, someone's going to end up on the Lakers. That's for sure. I'm yeah, actually I, kind of enjoying this, like, Lakers mini renaissance here to where all of them and their fans, like, think that they're going to be good now. I don't think they're going to keep this going. Yeah, well, yeah I want them to be just good enough for us to, like, boot them into, like, the... To go all in. To, I want them to rise up just so we can like 300 kick them back into like the pit of death. Well, and also we want the Lakers to finish exactly 11. That would be best case scenario because they miss the playoffs and the Pelicans don't end up with like a top three pick, hopefully, because that would not be good. Um, Something else too that I think uh, Mike Connolly might be a really good location spot for uh, – like Dallas, because Dallas kind of was looking for a secondary ball handler to Luca. It takes him the load off. Plus, he can be a really good catch and shooter and fit in that offense well. I hope to God that he does not go to Dallas because I think Dallas gets significantly better with um, Mike Connolly. Yeah, 
Yeah, Dallas has been struggling lately. I think Dallas really goofed on not signing Dragic. I mean, he wanted to come there, and right. they were basically like, "We don't. Now we're they're not going to promise you the backup point guard role. You're probably just going to be end of the bench guy, play every now and then." He's like, "No, I still got a lot left in the tank." And he's been really good for the Bulls, so they screwed yeah, up. Yeah, he's another guy who, like Amanda mentioned that uh, earlier, if we could get him, I'd be happy. I think anyone, any team, I think right now, looking around, having point guard questions could use at least on some nights, uh, going Dragic. So um, I think that it's going to be an interesting week of, week of basketball. Hopefully not the drama that last week was. But yeah. um, before we go, be fun. I do have a I do have a hot take. I kind of, I would not hate it if New Orleans got the number one overall pick. Oh, man. I just feel like I know it's going to be broken. I know they're going to be a super team and uh, this, that, and the third. A, there's no guarantees, right? I don't right. think there's ever a guarantee of like they're going to be X or Y. But I'll be F the Lakers, man. I just want them to suffer. <laughs> and it's it's New Orleans. Like no one's ever. I they they could use it. It's fine. It's like a small market team being good. I'm okay with that. Being a good I tenor. think that would be so weird because. CJ and Brandon have been in the NBA long enough now that they're established. You bring in Wenbayana, they're not going to like kiss this guy's feet. He's going to have to earn it. Like Wenbayana needs to go to the Magic or the Hornets or the 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 Rockets. You know, that's like what he needs. He needs to go to a team where like he can like establish himself as the guy right away. So you don't but think he would do that? That guy's going to get bullied in practice by Zion and like lose all his confidence. I think that would be a horrible situation for him. Interesting. They could be really fun together. I don't know. But I mean, they'd me. probably still be good. I'm not saying they wouldn't be good. I'm just saying the team dynamics might be kind of weird. Yeah, possible. Um. So anyway, I mean, I feel like we we've pretty much covered everything. I I still you know still would like it, but we'll see. Um, we'll see about the trades and um, yeah, we can probably check out here. I mean, um, this has been Four Corners. I am. Ray, you can find me at, online at Ray Von Hagshaw. Uh, Peter at Bucketson's 88, of course. And Big Doll at Jokic's Delicious Revenge. So uh, definitely check out his... Um, there's a lot of great Jokic PF profile picks out there. I was going to say PFPs. But, and <laughs> I, I think uh, Dole has one of the best, in, in my opinion. Um, Thank so, you so and, much. Yeah, no, always great having you on. You're definitely welcome to come back anytime. Um, this has been, you can find the podcast feed at four corner pod on Twitter as well. Uh, apparently Twitter is not burning down. It's still going to be there. still exists. Um, might get sold. I don't know. I, 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 I that's, that's kind of, how I think this ends. It's right. I think Elon is just like, Oh, you know what? Maybe Yahoo will buy this for me. And <laughs> just that's, get bored. That's how they uh, make their comeback. But anyway, um, as always go nuggets and we will see you next week.